Hey everyone, welcome into another edition of the Woj Pod. My guest today, Zach Lowe. We hit on a ton all around the league with the very best of the best. Here's my conversation with Zach. Welcome into Zach Lowe. Zach, how are you? Hanging in. How you doing? I'm great. So opening week in LA, Zach, right? It's almost like, I always feel like we're staying at the LA lot, down at LA Live. Our offices are here and the hotel's here. And of course, Staples is across the street. And when you have like both the Clippers and the Lakers are going to be home, they're in and out this week. And you have visiting teams, you walk down in the hotel lobby and the Nuggets are there and the Rockets are coming in. Like it always feels like it's, I don't want to say some travel tournament, but there's just so many teams when you're, when both teams are home, just rolling in and out of LA live. It, it kind of, and especially with LeBron here, it really does feel like this is sort of the epicenter of the league now. Yeah. Uh, and the Nuggets who are here are one of the few teams that actually stay downtown anymore. More and more teams stay outside. So I went to the gym yesterday at the hotel. And I was like, oh, there's Malik Beasley. Malik Beasley, like, went right to the gym. And I know when the Nuggets arrived. So, like, Malik Beasley, the first thing he did was, like, he went down to the gym. I was like, all right, Malik Beasley. That's pretty good. Didn't say anything to him. Yeah, see, I think, and this goes to how teams travel. Like, there's certain players in the league who dictate where the team stays. They don't want to stay down. Most guys don't want to stay. I think coaches, executives would just as soon stay downtown in one of the... You walk, you can walk to shoot around. Right. Boom, right here. But... There are players who, I don't want to say every team has one. Some are the one, you know, the absolute very top of the league. Some are guys who probably don't really deserve this, but they're the best thing their team has and they have to live with those demands. But yeah, there's a lot of guys who want to stay out Beverly Hills. The other one too is how long a team stays in a town. Let's say you have an extra day off. A coach might want to get his team out of New York or maybe even out of New Orleans. And there's star players who will say, no, 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 we're, we're staying an extra day and they got to do it. The Thunder, I believe, are here now. Or maybe they stayed in the Bay last night, but they don't play till Friday. So they're going to have a couple of days here. And I was wondering, I wonder how long they're going to stay here, you know, but they're going to stay here. Yeah. I think teams, for whatever reason, I think LA, everyone can agree on LA because of the weather and we don't really, whether it's a team having to go back early to where they are or, onto maybe a more mid-level market. We don't need to be in there a day early. But I always think there's a hesitant. I think teams would rather not stay. You know, I mean, you can do whatever you want in L.A., but but I think weather does keep some of these guys here. So opening night, Zach, we've talked about this the whole offseason. You're not drawing conclusions, but I think we all felt Boston's the best team in the East. But there were a lot of people who thought Philly would have to compete to be the second best team. And not only is Toronto in that mix, but Milwaukee, as I think you feel too, that Philly's bench is a problem. It's going to be a problem. You, you saw oh, it was a little more dramatic opening night and they're going to miss Ilyasova. They're going to miss Bellinelli. I mean, those players helped them both came in on buyouts last year. And I think it would be an interesting one for them too is, what do they do with T.J. McConnell? Because they've discussed an extension, you know, just had some conversations about one. But also, he's in demand on the trade market. I mean, there are teams who would love, you know, he's a terrific backup for anybody in the league. And if you're Philly, do you just feel like Fultz has this? We don't need to keep T.J. around as an insurance policy? Or Brett Brown's always really, really liked him. And he's, from the very beginning, he's one of the players who survived 
the early rebuild. I think he'll be, it'll be interesting to see what they do with him too as we get closer to the February deadline. I should have included him in my predictions column because he is sneaky eligible for an extension. Um, one of those, you know, it could go up to 120% of the average salary. I don't think he'll get one because I just think they're going to be so protective of their cap space, but they have, as you said, discussed it. He's honestly, he's pretty good. He's like, pretty good. TJ's good. He changed that playoff series against Boston last year when they put him in the starting lineup for Covington. He shot 43% from three point range. Now he takes longer than Myers Leonard to actually shoot a three. So he doesn't shoot many of them, but like if he can actually shoot decently on wide open threes, like, and I just look, it's one game. I was a little lower on the Sixers, I think, than consensus. Um, not even lower. I just like, I just, it, there are just, rarely do you see a team this good that has such a huge fundamental question hanging over it as big as, like, can Markel Fultz shoot? Like, do mm-hmm. we know that he can shoot? And last night was one game, but it was not an encouraging start. Yeah. And I think it'll be interesting because they're in position to go out into free agency next summer and like they were this summer and, and, try to sign an elite free agent. There's more guys out there next year. I think for them, the challenge will be, and you hear people in the like players who would consider Philly, they're going to want to know this. Are Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid, are they attached? Is that relationship where it needs to be? Is that partnership where it needs to be? Because if you're going to be the third guy coming in, you don't want to walk into something where you're in the middle of something. And I'm not saying, listen, I think they would all agree. They're not close you don't have to be close, but it's got to be a really good working partnership. And I think that's the messaging, I think, those two, as much as anything, they're the, like as an organization. And I think it was a big part of their interviews in the GM process. They asked that question to candidates about free agency. And, and, and I think one of the things that kept coming back to them from candidates was more important than who the GM is and maybe even who the coach is. Where are Simmons and Embiid? Are they attached? Are they connected? Because that's what's going to impact getting that third star. Yeah, and, you know, people are going to hear that. Philly fans are going to hear that and think, oh, here goes the media, you know, trying to do the Westbrook-Durant thing again. I'm like, it. I mean, the Sixers have talked about it openly. Like, J.J. was on my podcast said, you know, it's, it's something – I don't remember what he said, but he didn't poo-poo the entire idea that it's something everyone is just kind of watching. I, I don't think they're close, and they're just sort of – watching it and seeing how it goes and i think part of it again uh, in terms of like there being such a huge fundamental question about fultz's game simmons is also a very unusual player it's unusual to have a lead ball handler who is hesitant to take elbow jumpers even and it's it means that he wants to live in the post a little bit which is where joel wants to live it means that a simmons and bead pick and roll is just a strange animal that has never become a like steady diet, steady part of their diet. And that's the simplest way for a ball handler and a big man to complement each other. And they, they can do it, but it's not like they run 20 a game. It's, it's just, it's, they're, they're just a very strange for such a talented team that won 50, whatever last year. They're just, a, it's a strange team. Mike Schmitz, our draft analyst who, and both he and Jonathan Gavoni, they were big believers in Brandon Ingram in that draft. And they still felt Brandon Ingram had the upside to be the best player, the most complete player over Ben Simmons. And I haven't talked to Jonathan about it, but I know Mike still feels it, that he still thinks Ingram over time because of his ability to shoot the ball and some other things. Is that crazy? There are there are scouts who think it still. I mean, there are scouts I really respect um, who were on the Ingram over Simmons train at the draft and remain on it now. And 
Um, you have to be very, very high on Ingram to, to still be on that train. I'm high on him. I'm not sure I'm that high. Um, and and the, the belief is that, look, you get into the playoffs and you face an elite defense, the lack of shooting just becomes so much harder to navigate than, than it is in the regular season. And, and I think with Simmons, more important than can he ever shoot an elbow jumper or never mind a three-pointer, he's going to have to make his free throws. Yeah. To me – you said he's so unique, and, and with players, I always try to keep this, like, don't spend so much time on what guys can't do, because there are some guys who are so unique, and he's one of them. We've got to look at what he does do, and the way he uh, the way he can dominate a game. But if he can't become a much better free throw shooter, I think that, more than anything, will limit that team in the postseason. I'm starting to use the word unusual instead of unique. Because we always miss, miss, I'm, I'm going, I'm, I'm going to go on a crusade against unique because people say unique, but unique means like there's only one, but that like, and they're not, they're just unusual. They're strange. Like they're yeah. just strange players. Markel Fultz is a, everything about Markel Fultz is strange. Um, and I think, look, Brett Brown said he was going to do this already. So he prepped everybody, he primed everybody. Like we're going to start JJ in some second halves over Markel if that's the way the game's going. He did it last night. I was pessimistic about this lineup experiment working in the short term. I, I get why they're doing it. I think it's an interesting and smart long term play. It's just it's just a strange lineup. Zach, you look at some of the new coaches in the league and the way they'll impact teams, and I think everyone's focused on Mike Budenholzer in Milwaukee and how they're gonna look and how he's going to impact Giannis, you know, and the rest of that core. And I think Mike is there's a lot of guys in a league when you, if you say, I always like to play this game. If you did a coach's draft and you said every coach is available and where would you select them? And I always say sort of do it for the next five, six years. So like maybe take pop out of it. He's probably not going to coach that long. To me, there's a few names that always come up and no particular order. This is who they are. Brad Stevens, Eric Spolstra, Quinn Snyder, Budenholzer. And that's especially among what would be considered the younger guys in the league? But yeah, I don't know where Carlisle fits into the if for the next five seasons kind of thing. Yeah, but he's he's certainly up yeah there. accomplished elite coach. And yeah. I, but I think if you were starting over or starting somewhere or or just Mike is in that top five six group on anybody's list, and and I think his impact uh, in Milwaukee. The the other one too, I think will impact his team greatly this year. Steve Clifford in Orlando and you think his first year in Charlotte 20 game improvement um Al Jefferson really helped that team that year he was great and Kemba was starting to come into his own uh but what Cliff does is he really tightens you up defensively organizes your team and that's what they've been desperate for in Orlando they had so much turnover so much change and I think Jeff Weltman and John Hammond were desperate to like we've got to have a coach for the foreseeable future we this organization as much as any player personnel and all that they've had but I I think those two guys, to me, are difference makers this year. I'm a little worried about how high I am on the Bucks. Um, I just think that they're a team that makes sense. Like all the things we said about Philly, like the Bucks is just put a lot of shooting around Giannis and go. Like that's easy. I understand that. That's easy to do. That works. Uh, they have some depth questions, maybe not as severe as Phillies until Wilson Chandler and Muscala are healthy. People forgot that Muscala didn't even play last night, like when, when they were talking about this issue. He's, he's an important part of their depth. Um, Orlando, I, I thought Orlando could compete for the eighth seed last year. 
and then they got off to that eight and four great start start or whatever it was where they shot the lights out and I said, oh, that, that's okay. That's, that's intriguing. And then they completely fell apart. And I just don't, you know, they're going to do this thing where they play Gordon on the wing again. And they're hopeful that Isaac and Vucevic are good enough shooters, ball movers to make that work. TBD. They just have the, the point guard play is what is, is just what worries you. I mean, you just can't, it's hard to go chase a playoff spot with DJ Augustine and Jerry and Grant as your point guards. Just hard. I, I don't know how they're going to overcome that. Other than being in the East and the East still stinks from, from, you know, six to the end. Support for the Woj Pod comes from Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans, America's premier home purchase lender. Let's talk about buying a home. It can be one of the most important purchases you'll ever make. But today's fluctuating interest rates can leave you with unexpected higher payments, which can turn a great experience into an anxious one. That's why Quicken Loans created their exclusive power buying process, and here's how it works. They check your income, assets, and credit to give you a verified approval. This gives you the strength of a cash buyer, making your offer more attractive to sellers. Once verified, you qualify for their exclusive rate shield approval. They'll lock your interest rate for up to 90 days while you shop for your new home. Then, once you've found the one, if rates have gone up, your rate stays the same. But if rates have gone down, you get to keep that new lower rate. Either way, you win. It's the kind of thinking you'd expect from America's largest mortgage lender. To get started, go to rocketmortgage.com slash Woj. Rate shield approval only valid on certain 30-year purchase transactions. Additional conditions or exclusions may apply. Based on Quicken Loans data in comparison to public data records, equal housing lender, license in all 50 states, nmlsconsumeraccess.org, number 3030. What Boston's done in the East and the way they've separated themselves from the group, and I, it's funny, a Western GM said to me last year, we were talking about this, that there's no team in the West even remotely close, built close to even and, and they put Philly in that group that that Boston and Philly have these two young nucleuses, great young nucleuses, um, and we could talk about some of the flaws with Philly, but we're we're nitpicking. They're they're set up to be really good for a very long time. We're talking about ascending that last step. I mean, nobody would deny they're they're built. They're going to win fifty games in their sleep. By the way, tribute to them and how talented they are and how well coached they are. That we're already talking about ascending the last step. Yeah. That they're that far along already. Yeah, and. And Toronto, listen, their future depends on Kawhi. Like they're, if they lose Kawhi after this season, then you can see them certainly headed toward a rebuild, but they have that young nucleus to slide in. And, and you would imagine that team would look very different if Kawhi didn't stay going forward with Lowry, Ibaka going into the last years of their deal and et cetera. So, but it will be interesting to see the balance of power in the league, especially, you know, hypothetically, if KD did not stay in Golden State. Even with KD leaving, there's still Warriors would still be a contender. Now, obviously, it'd be a dramatically different team, but but if they kept everybody else, it's still a really really good team. But I think the way we've looked at the conferences, it may not be long before you know, as we know, Boston is built for barring catastrophe, is built to dominate the league over the next however many years, and and the great Philly group, and then Giannis. As Milwaukee has a transcendent under 25 year old star to continue to build around and he'll keep them himself will keep them around 50 wins almost no matter who they put around him. He's that good. And, and so the balance of power for the first time, like you can sort of see down the tracks 
what we have seen in the West for so long, I think, is starting to – we've always said it's cyclical, it's cyclical, except it isn't. It's been this way for a very long time. But can't you see this starting to change, like really changing and may not be long? Uh, yeah, I mean, the top of the East is, I mean, you could, you, people have argued, I think people are a little bit low on the Rockets, but that the, the second and third and maybe the fourth best teams in the league are all in the East this year. I, I don't, I wouldn't go that far. Um, Milwaukee has some fascinating decisions to navigate with Bledsoe and Middleton hitting free agency and just, you know, I would, I would bet that they keep Middleton. They have to pay Middleton. And, and not Bledsoe. Um, you, you said it in your prediction column, $30 million gonna, a year. He's going to be. If, if they, he, he can't leave. They if, can't let him leave. If he has a good year, he's going to get paid. But their challenge is going to be, okay, who's the, who's the guy? Who's the next guy? Who's the third guy? Um, cause I don't, I don't know if Chris is quite good enough to be the second best player on a championship team. And that's why, you know, missing on Jabari and a couple of other things is just, it just kills you. Um, and Boston, I find Boston fascinating for this reason. This is, this, you can, this debate has now started to get into the media, right? Does Boston have a superstar? Like a real, true blue, no-brainer, top eight player, best player in a championship team. And I'm not sure they do. I, I've, I've, I've referred to Kyrie, Horford, and Hayward as, um, A minus superstars. It's no, there, there just aren't that many straight A's. Now, Tatum is coming. Tatum, we'll see if he becomes a top eight player in the NBA, but he's coming. I think that's actually an interesting argument, and I know it's one that front office talks about a lot, and that's why you're going to hear Anthony Davis associated with them until Anthony Davis is signs the Supermax or somewhere else. Um, I happen to think that those three – let's leave Tatum out of it – that those three veteran guys are so complementary and and th- that they all kind of lift each other up mm-hmm. and, and don't overlap so much – and then you add in the, the, the Jays, Jalen and Jason. Uh, I, I think that I'm less worried about Boston lacking a quote unquote true superstar than most people are, but you do hear people say, well, if they meet Philly in the playoffs or if they meet Toronto in the playoffs, all that matters is the best players on the other team. Yeah. And I think, think of Gordon Hayward too, the uniqueness when he signs with them in free agency, like he's going to be their guy. When they signed Gordon Hayward, it was, well, this is a star for us and Tatum had just been drafted they thought he was going to be great but you know danny i think really believed in him but nobody expected that rookie year and by the way walks him right out game one last night like maybe the best player on the floor for the celtics yeah and but hayward has a game and i think personality that if he has to take he's not an alpha he doesn't have i think he can be it when he needs to be you you saw especially his final year in utah where he you saw him start to take over late. He can do that, and he also can defer and let someone else do it, and and he fits in to that blend well. And and I think talking about great young nucleuses in the league, and and I left out Utah, that they are the one team in the West who's built age wise with Donovan Mitchell and and Rudy Gobert, and you know that infrastructure. And I think they're going to be. They were once Rudy came back last year, that second half of the year, the end of the playoffs. I mean, they were the best defensive team. In the league, they have an elite coach in Quinn Snyder and Donovan Mitchell. Listen, you never think about Utah as a free agent destination. That's not how they've ever been built. They've always built through the draft and felt like, you know, they, they've had to, but I do wonder. I think Mitchell, listen, they're not going to get that A list free agent, but they can sell winning there and they can sell a basketball crazy market, an organization. That has everything in place. And I think there will be a year 
there will be somebody who they'll get at some point in this rebuild who it's not going to be Kevin Durant or a Kawhi Leonard level, but just a compliment to Donovan Mitchell, who I think we all agree is going to be a star. I think they're positioned to do that, unlike any other maybe small to mid-market. This is why I think Middleton is going to get – I mean, if you told me Middleton gets the max, I wouldn't even be blown away by that. I don't think he will, but I, all of these teams that have cap space this summer that are good but are not going to get Kevin Durant and Kawhi Leonard because they're not L.A., New York, whatever it is, they're all going to look to Middleton as like, okay, that that's a guy maybe has the personality, likes small markets, has complimentary player, like we can get him. And I don't know that Utah necessarily needs him because they're loaded on the wing, but he's, he's really good. Speaking of Utah, by the way, kind of slipped under the radar amid all the summer frenzy. Um, three years, like 29 for Dante Exum is going to be a really interesting contract to watch how it looks a year or two or three from now because we, we still don't know what he is. And he's the highest draft pick they have uh, that they drafted on, on the team and they traded for Favors, who was number two or three or whatever he was. Um, you know, that what he is the fruit of their rebuild. He's the fruit of their tanking more than anyone else. And we still don't really know what he is as an NBA player. I mean, you've seen flashes like it, it's all health with him. I think they think he, if he's healthy, he, he way outplays that contract. And it was a good contract for him and Brandon Rosenthal. I thought, I thought it was, you know, for a guy who's been injured a lot. And, you know, you look at Justice Winslow's extension at 13 million, you know, that number maybe surprised some people like, now, I think maybe having the team option in the third year allowed that number to be higher than maybe Miami would have done. But those are players who teams drafted, they believe in the talent, and they say, okay, like we're going to, you know, financially, like, you know, there's some risk here, but like you have to hit on, if you're Utah, you've got to hit on those guys. You just can't go out in free agency and, and add players like Well, and the other that. one, I mean, for, for Utah has done unbelievable. Unbelievable. Dennis Lindsay is like the Sixers should have tried to get Dennis Lindsay when they were big game game hunting and maybe they did and Utah mm-hmm. was like no 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 you don't get to no you don't get to get him um, the the Sixers made more than one phone call yes. to Utah for candidates that's that's a fact I, think oh, I forgot right about the- I forgot about just the whole Justin Zanuck how many interview yeah. how many interviews did Justin Zanuck have how many dinners did they take him to Trey Burke is the other one like you know Trey Burke was number eight eight pick I think something like that and and he's rebuilding his career in New York but those those for a small market team now you make you more than make up for it when you get Mitchell at thirteen or whatever mm-hmm. and Gobert at twenty seven so, that's just ridiculous yeah. that's absolutely ridiculous and you you find Joe Ingles for nothing yep and like I think we can turn him into an NBA player and Joe Ingles is a I mean, above average NBA yes, player is. is a slight to Joe Ingles. Joe Ingles is really good. Yeah, and I think Ricky Rubio, there was a rebirth for him there. Quinn Snyder was the perfect coach for Ricky Rubio. He's a player who wants – he has a – there's tremendous humanity to Ricky and tremendous value to having a a relationship and a connection with him. He is a very like family-oriented guy. Like I remember – one of my favorite days ever in this business was I was in Spain with Team USA was playing before the Olympics, before London. They're playing a cup, an exhibition game in Spain, and I went there with them. And then I went and spent the day with Ricky in his hometown, which is you know overlooking the ocean outside Barcelona. And uh, we drove around in his car. His grandmother lived next door to him, and um, and he just feels things strongly. And he did not. You don't get that from Tom Thibodeau, and I think like. You, you you know you don't get that from him, and I really thought, and I think Utah 
believed when they traded for Rubio that Quinn Snyder would be tremendous for him. I think that's exactly what happened. That's another player coming up in free agency um, that I'm sure um, I would be surprised if both sides didn't aren't going to work really hard to find a way to stay together there too. Yeah, I wrote a little thing on Rubio a couple weeks ago, and I did, this didn't make the story, but talking about his family and his community and what his girlfriend apparently I think it's his girlfriend. I don't think he's married. Owns a restaurant in 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 his hometown. And like the Jazz sent an army of people to go visit Ricky over the summer. Like three or four different people went and saw him. And like Ricky just just goes and like washes dishes at the restaurant. Just goes and like, how can I help out? You need me to wash some dishes in the back? I think they put him to work. She puts him to work at the restaurant. Like that's what he does in the summer. That's awesome. Yeah, he's a remarkable. And and Rubio, you know, I've kind of gotten to know him at every stage. I remember – you know, spending time with him before he came over and he was, I mean, he was really an original childhood prodigy. And I mean, he was a YouTube star at 14, 15 years old, turned pro at, he was still on his 14th birthday and was playing in Spanish ACB at 15 with 35 year old. And, and there was like this sort of feeling while well, he sort of plateaued, you know, he hadn't come over yet to Minnesota and the way they worked the buyout. And, you know, his had that tremendous rookie year and then the injury and, He's just one of those players who is so much of it is about circumstance and situation and where do you end up and, and boy, he found the right place. He really found the right place with the Jazz. I hope it stays that way. Um, because I'm, I'm a big fan of his as a person and a player and, and I do think he does something. He's always been a fascinating player, right? Because his teams have, have played better with him on the floor and yet he's had this glaring liability. As with his jump shot, where people have said, well, if he gets in the playoffs, you know, it's, it's, teams are going to scheme him. It's just not going to work. But there's something he does that helps you win. And the Jazz bet on those numbers. You talk to the Jazz front office, like, we know those numbers. We bet that there's something there. We're not sure what it is, but we think we can find it and we think we can bring it out. We think those numbers are real. And, you know, last year, last year, I, I, it was, it it was almost like a heat level when the heat were 11 and 30 and then 30 and 11 or whatever whatever it was um it was almost like that and it just but boy did they get low last year and to come out of it the way they did is like you got to have a strong that's why i voted snyder coach of the year yeah. it's like you just have to have such a strong culture to be able to do that and what they did with quinn too think about this they got him he had his first you know two losing seasons and they gave him an extension after two losing seasons they gave him a 5 year extension at a pretty good number not an elite contract number, like if he was available, like if he was up for his deal now, they'd pay him more, but it was a good bet. They knew what they had in him and they didn't care about the record the first two years. Like they knew what they had and he took the, certainly took the security of it and it ended up being a great bet for both of them. But I, I think when you look at, and you said it like Dennis Lindsay, Quinn Snyder, uh, you know, that front office, you mentioned Justin Zanuck, David Moorway, that, that's a, and it gets back to ownership. That, that's an ownership group. They don't mandate things. They don't short circuit. They hire good people. They let them do their jobs. And then they say, what do you need? And more and more, you look around this league, Zach, and you can see certain pockets of short-term success with ownerships, but you can't be good over a long time without really good ownership. We're seeing it in Phoenix. We're seeing it in Sacramento. We're seeing it, you know, plenty of other places that when, whenever GMs talk about this job or that job or coaches, to me, it just gets back. Forget market size. Forget whether free agents want to go there. Who is your owner? Who is your owner? <sighs> yeah, it's an interesting dynamic. We've mentioned Sacramento and Phoenix, and it's just it's just a mess in those places. 
Today's episode of the Woj Pod is also brought to you by Sonos. Meet Sonos Beam, the smart, compact soundbar for your TV and newest addition to the easy-to-use home sound system. Play everything you love, enjoy music, radio, movies, TV, podcasts, and more. Sonos supports over 100 streaming services. You can use AirPlay to enjoy sound from your iPhone or iPad on Beam. It has brilliantly clear sound, and Beam fills the room with rich sound. Enjoy deep bass and detailed stereo separation for music plus crystal clear dialogue for TV and movies. Easy to set up, Beam connects to your TV with just one cord and syncs with your existing remote. The Sonos app walks you through the setup step-by-step. Amazon Alexa is built in. Get hands-free control of your music and more. Start a playlist, skip tracks, and pause simply by asking out loud. Use your voice to turn the TV on or off and adjust the volume. You can play games, set reminders, and check the news. Connect Sonos speakers over Wi-Fi anytime. Put speakers in different rooms and listen to music in one and a podcast in another. Or send sound from your TV everywhere so you never miss a second of the action. Create the ultimate entertainment center when you pair Beam with a sub and two Sonos ones for truly immersive surround sound. Listen, Sonos speakers are simple to set up. And if you don't want to do it, they're going to send someone to do it for you. That's right. If you live in any major metro area, up and running will have a Sonos expert deliver and set up your system. And that's absolutely free. Just order from Sonos.com and select up and running at checkout if you qualify. Listen, I use the AirPlay mode on my iPhone, on my iPad. It's perfect. So don't forget, if you live in any major metro area, up and running will have a Sonos expert deliver and set up your system absolutely free. Just order from Sonos.com and select up and running at checkout if you qualify. I think, I mean, obviously we're all going to be watching the Lakers this year. They're the, they're the biggest story in the league. I don't remember where I said this, but you talked about Quinn Snyder and how they thought, you know, we're going to give you this contract extension even though our record is terrible because we think you're a good coach. Everyone, it, the minute the Lakers are five and seven, the Luke Walton speculation is going to start. And I said this on a podcast. I think it might have been mine. I don't remember where it was. I was like, the lesson that they should take from the Heat is that the Heat stood by Spolstra. Because if you think you have a good young coach, if you think he's good, now I don't, I, Jeannie thinks he's good. She said that publicly. Like, I don't know what Magic thinks. I don't know what Palinka thinks. I assume they all think he's good. If you think Luke's good, if you think he's a worker, he's smart, he's going to be a good coach. You have to withstand that pressure, whatever that pressure is, because it's like that. If you, if you fire a, a, a good young coach like that and you don't have a plan, then you just become the magic where you're on your fifth coach in five years or you become, you know, pick a team where it's just like, it's just this endless, like, Oh, we've got to rebuild our culture again. Oh, we've got to rebuild our culture again. Like I'm fascinated to see how disciplined the Lakers are. And maybe LeBron doesn't care. Maybe there won't be any pressure at all. But if they are five and seven, or if, if, as Windhorse has written, if it's January and LeBron starts to get, get itchy, that they're not as good as he hopes and everything he says now doesn't turn out to mean anything about being patient and all that when they're two games under 500 in January. If you think Luke Walton is good, you gotta be very, very careful. Listen, we know where the blame will go. It's like, LeBron's not gonna get the blame. And he's not gonna wanna take the blame on. It's going to be, it'll be the coach, it'll be teammates. There'll be a succession of scapegoats, or maybe if, there won't be any. Yeah, maybe or, LeBron. Right. Maybe yeah. maybe the I, I'm optimistic about almost every young player on the Lakers, including yeah. Lonzo. The veterans that they signed, 
We'll see. So, and, and I, everything LeBron has done, starting with signing a three plus one, yep. suggests that he's going to be patient. Yeah. So maybe there will be nothing. No, and you said it though with, with Luke, like Magic Johnson and Rob Palenka didn't hire Luke Walton. Jeannie Buss hired Luke Walton. Mitch Kupchak, that regime. But Jeannie, and Jeannie has been a starch advocate for him, a defender of him. She allowed Magic and Palenka to come in and really do what they wanted with strategy and free agent strategy and roster, I really believe Luke Walton's been a non-negotiable for her. Now, it's different when LeBron's there. Like, if LeBron feels strongly in one way, and I'm not saying he will. He has in the past. And you, But you mentioned Miami. And Eric Spolstra was able to have the credibility with the players to coach that team because Pat Riley demanded it. And when they went to Pat Riley and said, complain about this and that, he said, Eric's the coach. Go down there and play. It's in Ian Thompson's Period. book, yeah. which, like, yeah. as Riley remembers it, LeBron, Wade, and Bosch went into his office around when they were nine and eight, and LeBron just said, "Do you ever get the itch to coach again, Pat?" And Pat said, "It didn't go any further than that. He did not ask me to fire Eric. He did not suggest that I coach the team, but I think I knew what he meant, mm-hmm. and we didn't talk about it again. And that was it. And like, you, that I mean, and then you look at Blatt, and you know, Mike Brown, it's like, you know, I, I, it's, it's just, he, he comes with instant expectations and that's because he is the best player yeah. in the world. And he's not the only star. He's not the only star who will wield that power. Oh, I'm not league, saying right? it's, no, I'm not no, saying right. it's even a bad thing. I'm no. just saying like, it's the reality. It, that's wants the league. to win. That was the league when Matt, listen, you know, magic wielded that power when he played for the Lakers, he wanted change and there was change. Like that's the reality, but you're right. How does that organization, because you can talk about culture is such a cliche and everybody uses it. And I wonder sometimes if the people who throw the word out even know what it means, but it starts with this, like you talk about what he culture is. It's what Riley did when they walked into his office. He didn't even open up the conversation. He didn't allow the conversation to go down the tracks. He shut it down. And, and by the way, if he thought Eric Spolstra was just a mediocre coach, like a, like a, a X's and O's wise, I don't know if he can hang. Maybe he would have fired him, but he thought that you have to think the guy is good. You have to, it, he thought he was good. He thought he had already proven himself good. And if you yeah. think the guy is good, you just, uh, changing coaches is just, it just, then you just become the sons. You're just like, oh, how many I, coaches I have think, we had? I now? don't think people appreciate this on Eric Spolstra. If you made Eric Spolstra a free agent tomorrow, he'd be a $10 million a year coach. I said this on my podcast last year. I had a team reach out to me in the middle of last season saying, do you think the Heat would trade us Eric Spolstra for our first round pick? And I said, no, I don't think he, they would. He wouldn't be worth, he wouldn't, I wouldn't. I mean, I know yeah. they wouldn't. No. I know they no. would not. And, and he, to know how he is viewed in the league is, I think people, that was not an easy team to coach in Miami, no matter what people think. And he got things out of LeBron that LeBron had not been willing to do as a player. He made a LeBron a more complete player in Miami. There's no question about it. He's the best coach, LeBron James. Has ever played for and period. Fizz and Fizz has gotten a lot of credit for that too in, in terms of his post work and you know I'm excited to see what Fizz does in New York now they're going to stink this year on purpose yeah. but I'm excited to see what he's going to I'm sorry I've gotten a sidetracked on a coaching conversation no it's all right you know it's funny I saw Jeff said you talking about coaching in New York and Jeff loves to do this Jeff Van Gundy which is Jeff's always going to defend the guy who just got fired no matter what Jeff's a son of a coach he's going to defend coaches and I admire him for it. But he was asked, I think, on one of those conference calls about Fizz in New York. He's like, yeah, Fizz is a good coach. But you know what? Like, they'll be good if they have good players and they have mediocre players. 
they'll have a mediocre record. And and he's right. Like in the league, like you need players to win. And I think New York will be interesting this year because I don't know the standard is so low there for. Sometimes I feel with the Knicks, the standard is while it's better than it used to be here, except the standards, it's the Celtics and the Warriors, and that's what the standard should be, not, well, it was so screwed up here in the past, it's a little better now. And that's what I think you're always finding against in New York. And I think with Fizz this year, it's, will a team compete, you know, do you not have those 25-point losses at home, and where the team's just, you know, giving up 75 points in the first half. And, you know, I think Fizz is a, you know, guys could be pluses, minuses, or neutral in free agency. I really don't think players take coaching into consideration much in free agency. I really hmm. don't think That's they do because the coach is always disposable. And LeBron was unique. He didn't care David Blatt was the coach. David Blatt was disposable. We can always get a new coach. And while I think Fizz helps in the – I don't think there's any question Fizz helps in the room. Fizz – has the respect of star players in a league. You mentioned LeBron and Wade and Bosch, and, and, and there's a credibility that he has that they give him because of how well they, very positive experiences they've had with him and lots of reasons. I think Fizz is terrific, but I just don't know that the head coach, any head coach in a league, makes almost any difference in sitting in a free agent meeting. The standards for the Knicks are just don't trade the ninth pick in the draft for Andrea Bargnani. That's all the fans. It's just like, don't do that. That's how low the standards are. Just like beat that and all of this is like everyone is always, you've heard this for 50 years. Oh, the you can't rebuild in New York. The Knicks can't rebuild. I think the opposite is true. I think being in a big city in a big market like that makes it easier to rebuild because they're going to like, they're going to make a fortune no matter what. It doesn't matter if they stink or not. They sell it every game. They're going to make a fortune and the fans are smart. The fans know what's going on. They they don't want to trade the number nine pick in the draft for Andrea Bargnani. They want Knox to be good. They want Nilakina to be good. I think it's really interesting that they're starting him as a two. I think that's actually kind of smart. I'm interested to see how that works out. They want Porzingis to get healthy. They want another high draft pick. And like if they miss K, if they miss on KD, that's like let's see where the team goes. Let's see what happens. And that's it. Fans are smart. Like they understand. They just want a plan, and they don't want to be told every like just show us a plan and follow it and. And hire people who've done it before. Hire people who've had success at the highest level. And we're New York. We should be able to get anybody we want to run our team. And so, listen, I think Scott Perry, I think he's gone about it exactly right. We'll see how it plays out. But I think, like, they just find a play. I think the clip, like what the Clippers are doing right now is very below the radar. What they've done to put themselves in position they didn't gut themselves, and they're not tanking. They're going to put a competitive team on the floor. And listen, they have, I think right now with Kawhi Leonard, they have a better than not chance of getting him. Now, we know things will change. He could love Toronto. He could fall in love with the fan base and not care about the weather. And and they, you know, maybe they get to the finals. Maybe they upset Boston. and or, Who knows? We all know lots can happen. But the Clippers are in great position with him. They have two max slots. They will be heard from again, I think, in these Jimmy Butler trade talks. Interesting. Right? I think they could be heard from again. You don't think they're out? You think they'll come back and look? I think a lot of teams are going to come back and look. I think Minnesota will get more real. There's going to come a point where Minnesota is going to have to get realistic about what if what- they start like 12 and 0? What if it all just works? I, 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 I've just never seen anything like this before. There's open contempt and hatred. Going in like seven different directions, and they're like, you know what, we're just going to play. But here's the thing, Zach. 
They were the three seed in the West last year before Jimmy got hurt. No, I agree. That's, right? that's the relationships I'm... weren't any worse. Like they didn't like playing with each other then. And if Jimmy Butler doesn't get hurt, all they need are a couple more wins in their three or four seed based on how tight it was. You're right. And Did in I... the end, listen, because does Minnesota still say in the end, you know what? We don't think you'll turn. We can still offer you the most money, and we're going to roll the dice because if we don't give you what you want, which is trading your bird rights to a team you want to go to, and then they can pay you the five years or or pay you the seven percent raises, seven half percent raises, we're going to keep you all the way, and we're going to dare you to leave for not now. I don't know that they'll do that. That's such a risk. But would that be the craziest idea versus taking a deal you really don't want? I believe Glenn Taylor came on the record yesterday in the Star Tribune and said, yeah, we don't think he's going to resign with us. He's made that pretty clear. So we're going to keep trying to trade him. Yeah. So the, but, their but owner does, has already Jimmy, publicly expressed no yeah, confidence has, in that. But does he have to say that? Is Jimmy going to play the way they want him to play if they're saying anything but that? This whole thing is just, it's, I know. it's, it's absolutely. Now, look, people are going to say we've had situations where, you know, whatever the Yankees, was it the Yankees where it was like 26 players, 26 cabs or whatever that it was is, the Red Sox, the Red Sox yeah. whatever, whatever it was. Yeah. It, it's not like new, but like, I don't, it's never been like the guy publicly, well, but the guy privately and now it has been made public requested a trade. There's like so, social media drama. There's a practice where he comes in and tells everyone they stink without him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and trash talks the general manager and the coach, and now they're just gonna go play. Like it's here, just here, insane. Here, here's the thing: Jimmy Butler can say that to Scott Layden a hundred times a day in the locker room, in the office, in the hallway. Tom Thibodeau doesn't care. He cares if Jimmy Butler plays. And the day that Butler walked back in that gym to practice, Tom Thibodeau won. Opening week is here, and he's going to play. That's all Tom Thibodeau wanted. He doesn't care what Jimmy says to everybody around the building. He doesn't care. See, and when, so he, when you're the president of basketball operations, he should, you have to care. He should. <laughs> you have to care. I'm but sorry. But he doesn't. He doesn't. He cares if he plays, and he'll live with all the rest of it. Unbelievable. What a league. Yeah. But back to the Clippers, though. Here's the thing with them. To me, star players want to play. You have the market, okay, in L.A. And they have, like, you know, you look at the group they have of Shea Gilgis-Alexander and Patrick Beverly and... You know, some of the role players that are there, to me, star players want to play with hard playing guys who do dirty work because that's not, they're there to be stars. And when you have guys who play hard, who do the dirty work and you have those guys around, to me, that makes your situation more appealing. And I think they've done a good job with the Clippers of collecting some guys like that, that make them, you know, a a little more appealing in free agency. It'll be interesting to see how that impacts Kawhi Leonard's thinking and and Jimmy Butler's made it clear that the Clippers are I'd love to be there. The Lakers are not really a consideration. And, you know, the Lakers are going to, I think, hold, you know, they've got that one spot. I think they think they can ultimately do better in that spot than Jimmy Butler. And, but I do think as the Butler talks do get going in, and I agree with you, I think in the end they trade him. I think it's too great of a risk when a guy's telling you absolutely not, because then you got to face your fan base when he walks away. And he told you, you guys didn't listen. We got nothing for him. Look at all we traded for him. But I do think all of these teams that we've talked about and reported about having talked with Minnesota, I think they all circle back. And I think the asking price will have to go down. And then there'll be some real serious talks. Because I don't think there were any really serious talks with anyone but Miami. You know, again, Miami, Houston are teams who can't get Jimmy Butler in free agency. They don't have cap space. The other teams don't have to gut their infrastructure for a player that they could sign in July. 
I'm rooting for the Wolves to start 12 and 0 now. Now that I've now that I've said it, I'm trying to speak it into existence. I want well, the Wolves to start 12. I want the Wolves to be like undefeated for a month and just I just want it to continue to get more bizarre. I agree. I hope this goes all the way to the trade deadline. Our podcast can't go that far. We got to get out of here. Zach, thank you as always for jumping in and um what we'll do it again soon. My pleasure. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Woj Pod. A big thank you to my guest today, ESPN Zach Lowe. Remember, you can subscribe and listen to new and archived episodes of this podcast wherever you get your shows. You can find us on Apple Podcasts or wherever else you listen. We'll catch you next time.